Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair. It's great to be with you again on another episode of Vitality Radio and the Vitality Radio podcast. I've got a great show for you today. It is an awesome interview with a guy I've had on a couple of times, and in particular, episode 39 was a real favorite of a lot of my listeners. Lamont Wilcox is coming back on. We're going to talk specifically about addiction and success. That sounds like a strange combination, but it'll make sense when we talk about it. The interview, I've already done it, is a keeper. I think you're really, really going to enjoy it. I'd love to have you share it with your friends. If you are not a listener to the podcast yet and listening here on the radio, awesome. Appreciate you listening any way you can, but check out the podcast. I release bonus episodes and an additional vintage episode every week on all of your favorite podcast apps, or you can join us at vitalityradio.com. Okay, I am going to have to be brief with my rant today, so let's jump right in. In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. Wednesday, September 30th, Health Day News reported that for at least two decades, The U.S. Food and Drug Administration has been approving new formulations of prescription opioids without requiring drug manufacturers to gather important information on safety and effectiveness, according to a new study. The FDA approved dozens of these highly addictive medications for treatment of chronic pain between 1997 and 2018 based on clinical trials that were severely lacking, according to Dr. G. Caleb Alexander, who is the co-director of the Center for Drug Safety and Effectiveness at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health in Baltimore. During that time frame, 48 opioid drugs were approved by the FDA. Even as late as 2012 to 2018, when the impact of the opioid epidemic had been widely documented across the country, the FDA still approved 16 new prescription opioids based on such short-term clinical trials the researchers found. Now, what are they talking about, short-term clinical trials? None, none of 48 trials were longer than 12 weeks, and yet they were done for opioids that were being prescribed for long-term chronic use. It makes absolutely no sense to only require a 12-week study. Between 99 and 2018, opioid overdoses have killed nearly 400,000 Americans. 
Yet the FDA largely ignored the issue. In fact, in the case of opioids, most of these new approvals were done as what are called enrichment enrollment randomized withdrawal or EERW trials. This is a major problem and shows so incredibly clearly what the motivations of FDA really are. Check this out. Participants in an EERW clinical trial are started on the study drug, but only patients who respond to the drug and tolerate its side effects are included in the study. Those patients who initially respond to the drug are then randomized to receive either it or a placebo. I want to reiterate really quickly. Only patients who respond to the drug, so A, the drug has to work for them, and B, tolerate its side effects, are then included in the study. Due to the EERW design, as many as 40% of potential participants are tossed out of these clinical trials because they didn't initially respond to the drug or didn't tolerate its side effects. How can you possibly have a legitimate study where they eliminate the 40% of the people that the drug doesn't work for right out of the group, right out of the gate. This trial design is controversial, and it should be, and it's fundamentally flawed because it stacks the deck in favor of finding a product safe and effective when it very well may not be, Alexander stated. Though two pivotal trials is the gold standard for FDA approval, the agency is increasingly willing to accept a single pivotal study as evidence of approval, according to Dr. Sina. Reformulated pain medications, by definition, are not new molecular entities, so the companies can rely in part on data submitted for earlier approvals. Okay, so that might make some sense with a drug that has proven to be relatively safe. A small reformulation perhaps should not require as much to be approved as the original did. But in the case of opioids, are you kidding me? We have known for two decades that these things are highly addictive, extremely dangerous, and literally killing thousands annually and enslaving millions more. Remember that opioid addiction doesn't always lead to an overdose, but it does lead to enslavement and loss of jobs and family, and dignity. Yet FDA just kept approving this garbage in short-term trials for products prescribed for long-term use. When the FDA itself is a revolving door between big pharma executives and government officials, with officials from one becoming officials from the other on a regular basis, of course the safety of stock prices will always come before the safety of the consumer. Once again, FDA proves that they cannot be trusted to protect you. End rant. Okay, I only have a couple of minutes before my first break. Then I'm going to have Lamont Wilcox on. But I wanted to bring this up because I've had such incredible success and feedback since episode 27 aired uh, of the Vitality Radio podcast. Berberine was the topic of episode 27. And if you haven't listened to it, you've got to listen to this episode if you deal with high blood pressure, high blood sugar, or high A1C, or high cholesterol. Berberine, a simple and incredibly safe herbal supplement, proved to be as effective as the major drugs for all three of these conditions, blood pressure, blood sugar, and cholesterol. 
Wouldn't it be nice to get off of these dangerous drugs? With berberine, many people can and are. The testimonials we're hearing at Vitality Nutrition are phenomenal. It really is amazing what we're hearing from such a simple and safe remedy as berberine. I am trying as hard as I can to spread as much word as I possibly can about berberine to as many people as can hear it because think about it, blood pressure, blood sugar, cholesterol. If you don't have an issue with one of those three, somebody you love does. Guaranteed. Three of the biggest, most common conditions in this country right now with medications that, yes, they work more often than not. They actually do do the job. But all of them are wrought with significant side effects, especially in long-term use. Berberine is an option that you need to explore. You want to make sure you get a good one. There are a variety of different berberines on the market. Many of them have other things in them that are not necessary. A pure berberine at 500 milligrams per capsule is what I recommend. I'm a huge proponent of the Natural Factors brand, which has been third-party verified to have exactly what they say it does in the product, what they say is on the label. And uh, right now for Vitality Radio listeners, we have it actually on sale for about 20, I think it's about 29% off. I know it's kind of a funny number, but it's on a significant discount right now. So go back and listen to episode 27. And if you want to hear more from Lamont Wilcox, after you've listened to him, after the commercial break, go back and listen to episode 39, two of my most popular podcasts in terms of downloads and listens that I've ever done. Really great information in both. Okay. I'm going to cut to a break. When I come back, I'll have Lamont Wilcox, the neuro wellness facilitator. I absolutely love this man. He is fantastic and he is helping to change my life and the life of my family for the better. You need to listen to this. It's awesome, powerful stuff. I'll be right back. You're listening to me, Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal. People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blogger online, others from a magazine article, and yet another by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talked to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is, that supplement doesn't exist. What's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. What I mean by this is, we don't just sell supplements, we consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or drop us an email, info at vitalityradiopod.com. That's info at vitalityradiopod.com. 
Hello and welcome back to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair, and it is good to be with you again on another episode of Vitality Radio and the Vitality Radio podcast. I hope you enjoyed the first segment of the show. I know you're going to enjoy the next segment because I got so much positive feedback the last time I had this guy on. You're going to absolutely love what he has to say. I'm going to uh, introduce him, reintroduce him to you in just a moment. Okay, so it is time for a big interview. This is an exciting one. Uh, I get together with this guy uh, every so often, and when I do, we just sit and talk about so many fascinating things that we spend way too much time because we both have such a passion for this and learning how to improve our wellness, and now we're talking about mental wellness Lamont Wilcox is back on Vitality Radio. Lamont, welcome back to Vitality Radio. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm excited to do it again. We did have a huge response from our previous episodes that we've done. And man, we've, we've even been able to get together and have a, a group session and had a bunch of people on that have really given a lot of feedback about the, the life-changing things and the, the relief they've had from so much of their stresses and and anxieties in life that they were experiencing and really going deep and understanding their brain at a new level. And it is fun. It is super fun and exciting to see it happen. It is fun. And I was uh, fortunate enough to be at the group session with a couple of my uh, favorite people. And it was it was awesome. It was a really great event. It was just a week and a half ago now that we did it in Bountiful. And we are putting one together again. So stay tuned to this interview if you're interested in changing your life in a real, true, positive way. If you're dealing with addictions, if you're dealing with anxiety, if you're dealing with depression, if you have children or spouses or friends, uh, well, spouse, it is Utah, but we'll say spouse uh, or friends (laughs) (laughs) that are struggling with their uh, mental well-being or just stuck, feeling stuck in life, Lamont is the man to help you out. Lamont is a neural wellness facilitator, and basically what that means is he helps to get in, helps you to get inside of your brain, to get out of your brain, so that you can uh, quit cycling around in there trying to uh, fight your own uh, battles and demons and actually start winning in ways that you really want to. And that's what we're going to talk about today. If you Today, we're going to focus on a couple of specific things, but Lamont was on Vitality Radio before. He's actually been on twice, and uh, you can go back through the podcast and listen to him uh, in more general terms uh, if you'd like as well. So we're going to get right into the topic at hand. I want to talk about addiction, Lamont, and not just the addictions that we think about, drugs and alcohol and things like that, but I want to talk about addiction in a bigger way. And I want to preface that with something that I find fascinating. So here I am, Jared St. Clair, grew up in a health food store, raised by pseudo hippies, and uh, I look at things a little different than most people look at things when it comes to health, I guess, uh, and, and what I'm okay with putting into my body, what I'm not okay with putting into my body, and so on. But we have this thing that's really interesting where we have what I consider to be socially acceptable addictions, such as caffeine. The most recent surveys show that something like 90% of Americans use caffeine every single day. That would indicate that they have at least a mild addiction uh, for caffeine. And yet, you know, the 
grocery stores, the convenience stores, they're lined up with rock stars and monsters and a variety of different coffee options that you have. And uh, even caffeine and bubble gum and mints and tablets and all kinds of things. And and that's okay because 90% of us do it. So it must be fine, right? But if you see a guy on the corner who's smoking, you're like, it's 2020, man. What are you still smoking for? I don't understand it. And then all of a sudden the judgment comes out. And you're like, that guy's going to get lung cancer. Well, okay, but I'm shutting down my adrenals by drinking 500 milligrams of caffeine every day. My point being, there's a wide range of these things. My store, Vitality Nutrition, happens to be one block away from a place called Swig. Now, if you're in Utah, you probably know what Swig is or you know what Fizz is or any number of these soda stores. I don't even know what else to call them. And I have to pull out of the right lane of traffic about half the time on my way to the shop because their drive through is backed into the road and then go in, pull into Vitality Nutrition. Now, I'm here to tell you that if you have to have that dirty diet Coke or whatever they call that stuff every <laughs> single day, that might be an addiction. And then there's a place called Nielsen's. Lamont, are you familiar with Nielsen's Frozen Custard? You no, know this place? I'm not. <laughs> you don't know about Nielsen's Frozen Custard? Okay. Forget I said anything. I don't. You don't want to know about this place. It's terribly dangerous. It's a it's a bountiful thing, but there's a couple others, and it's the best ice cream like substance on the planet. That's custard, not ice cream, but you get the point. And the same thing, they'll line up all the way up past the stoplight, three blocks away, for people lining up to get their custard. And I hey, I like custard as much as anybody, but I will never wait in a line that long. For custard. I just, I'm not, I'm not willing to do it. I guess I'm not addicted to custard. I don't know. (laughs) My point is, why are some addictions okay? Some addictions aren't okay. And Lamont, I have a personal belief. I want you to tell me if you agree. I think we're all addicted to something. Is that fair? (laughs) I would say any of us who are not living life to the highest level of absolute joy, we're all struggling with addiction. And Actually, even the person who's there still has some addictions in their brain because it's a neurological chemical addiction. It's, it's an addiction to an old pattern to get our, our chemical and emotional needs met through activities that don't lead to what we really want in life. Okay, so then what kind of addictions might you be referring to that people might not consider an addiction? Give us some examples. Yeah, and yeah. So when we look at the brain neurologically, we use the word addiction typically to describe, generally speaking, to, to describe a, a behavior that is detrimental to our life, that keeps us from really having the life that we want. And so we typically talk about things like drug addiction, substance abuse, pornography, you know, those kind of addictions. But if you look in the brain, they really don't look that different than addictions of our emotional experience. You know, things like being angry, things like being frustrated, being upset, and, and, and more extreme versions of those, which are generally referred to as mental illnesses, like depression and anxiety. And, and they're changing all the time, but, you know, clinical depression or 
you know, they like to add clinical to that to make it more official sounding that it it's the way it is, you know, but all of those things, when you even have a, a frustration towards yourself and who you are and what you're achieving, th- those are addictions. Those are ways that we meet needs neurologically and chemically inside because we feel a deficit. And so we meet them that way. It's our escape from what we see as failure in ourselves. And so we're doing it all the time, actually. We're, we're full of addictions and they're constantly getting in our way and keeping us from living the life we want, from having the relationships we want, being as successful as we want in our career or in our school, being the parents we want to be. I mean, it's a constant that is going on that most of us are completely unaware of. Okay. So then if I'm, uh, is it possible to be addicted about feeling bad about myself? Is that an addiction? Absolutely. Okay. Every time you feel bad about yourself, it meets some needs that at the, at the moment that you decide to feel bad about yourself or that you have a habit of feeling bad about yourself, that habit to feel down about yourself is fulfilling the need that in that moment felt like a deficit. So doesn't addiction come with a kind of a stigma? Uh, you know, you think in society, and, we look at addiction like that's like that person's got a real problem. And that's the thing is that one of the addictions we're all stuck in is judging each other and creating stigmas oh, come on, and social Lamont. norms. We don't judge each other. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't happen. <laughs> and that's a natural part of our system is to judge because That's how we understand our present moment is we contrast it to our past moment, our past experiences. And so, and it's a nature to try to understand ourselves by understanding others, right? So in and of itself, it's, it's a natural thing, but it's about analyzing it to see how it's serving us. And, and when it doesn't serve us, when we have an emotion or an, a thought process that doesn't serve us, that is typically an addiction of our brain that we are stuck in that maybe started when we were two years old, three years old, five years old, maybe in the womb even, it could have started because they're neurological experiences, they're chemical experiences that we get stuck on. And, and it's, it, it, it creates lives of, of people who have this, you know, monotonous day-to-day life that they don't really love and they don't, they're not excited about. They don't have enthusiasm. They're not, they don't jump out of bed with excitement, but they're worn out and they don't have energy and it just takes them down. Those addictions are what are what's stealing our resources of energy and enthusiasm and excitement for life. Okay. So you said something that I kind of glossed over and I don't want to gloss it over as I've been thinking, listening to you talk. I think it's really important because to me, this was something that you kind of created an aha moment in my in my brain the first time I talked to you. You said just now that those the the when I feel bad about myself, if that's a thing that I deal with a lot, when I feel bad about myself, it's actually serving a need that I have inside of me. That sounds backwards to me. What does that mean? <laughs> what 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 do you mean yes. you're serving a need by feeling bad about yourself? <laughs> yes, it does. The reason that we feel bad or Let's say we get angry or let's say we get overwhelmed, right? Those are really common ones. Uh, or we get depressed, right? We start to feel depressed. If, if we go back in time to the moments right before that happens, then something triggers us that makes us feel a deficit or a, uh, an inability or what we believe is an inability to feel or be or experience something we want. 
And, and that thing that we want usually, and, and, and it may be an external thing that an environmental thing that we want or a way someone treats us or talks to us. But in that moment, our pattern is to, to get that need met ourselves by going in and having a emotional experience like being depressed, being angry, being frustrated that meets the need that that experience we felt by our perception and our mass was taking it away from us. So it's our way of taking and control is one of those needs, being able to be in control of it. So suddenly you're in control. Now it feels like you're out of control on a, on a conscious level, but on a subconscious level, it's taking over. It's saying, look, I'm going to take control of this. You, you and, and, and it might be someone else that you just did something or said something to me and I'm sick of it. I'm not going to have it. I'm going to go in and I'm going to get, and I know it sounds crazy, but I'm going to get, I'm going to feel down about myself. I'm going to feel less about myself. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be upset because I mean, imagine if, if you, if you weren't contrasting against all these things that you thought you knew, if you weren't contrasting against all these things and you just said, well, you know, people do things because of their own reasons. And I have no idea what those reasons are and they don't have anything to do with me. What if, what if you gave into that 100%? Then how would you respond? It would be a different thing, right? Yeah. It would be a whole different experience. Our perceptions are what drive all of our neurological rewards in our system. You've probably researched. You've probably researched this more than I have, but uh, my understanding is from the bit I've read about it that the poorest people in the world also have the highest satisfaction level with their lives. Something <laughs> like that. Is that right? People that live actually, in third world actually, countries. That. There, there, there is a lot of studies around that exact concept that, that these people who have less are experiencing more. They have less, but they're experiencing more as far as life satisfaction. They have less of the addictions that we're talking about in their brain. They don't go to, they don't go as often to uh, patterns of depression or anxiousness or feeling bad about themselves or judging themselves. There's a lot of studies actually around that because it fascinates uh, so many of us who live in the in these countries that are that are so abundant. We have so many resources and so much abundance, and we don't succeed and we don't have the life that we want. And you know, we think how in the world? And our excuse is, well, we don't have the resources, we don't have the money, we don't have the uh, the big house and the fancy car and the and the boat and the and the you know vacation getaways, we don't have enough of them. And why do we think that? Because we're contrasting it to what we see, for example, in social media and from our neighbors and from all these other things. And these people who live in poor countries oftentimes don't go to that as much because they don't see it as available. So their brain doesn't go there. Yeah, their neighbors got the same nothing that they've got. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're more concerned about... Uh, you know, getting some food than they are and having a roof over their head than they are about having the latest car or boat or, or whatever, what's on Netflix. It's an interesting, yeah, look, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, literally, those are all just distractions to finding our authentic self and they, and they don't have as much of those distractions. So they tend to find their authentic self. They've, they've tend to discover it a little deeper. I like the word contrast that you used because last year, 2019, there was no COVID 
And the world in America was uh, much more free than it is now in terms of being able to go places that you want to go, do things that you want to do, so on and so forth. And I read something, and I've talked about this before on the show, and it's kind of funny, but uh, (laughs) a concert promoter put out an article that said that uh, there was a study done that said that if you saw a concert on average every other week, that you would add nine years to your life. Now, I'm pretty positive that's a bogus study. (laughs) However, I took it upon myself to test it out, and I saw 25 (laughs) concerts in 2019. 25 concerts. I love music. (laughs) And I I went to every concert that I could see that that was of any interest to me almost, and, and some were better than others, but they were all great. I love live music. And this year, I've been to two concerts. And I miss going to concerts, man. I mean, if you contrast 2020 with 2019, it ain't that good when it comes to concerts, right? (laughs) And travel. I love to travel. My favorite, just get away from it all, is to literally get away from it all and and travel and go see things and, you know, go to overseas, go to New York, go to wherever. Most of the places I like to travel, I love road trips, but most of the places I like to travel require a flight. That's a little tougher right now, and and I'm not one who likes to wear a mask, and so being on a plane with a mask for four hours isn't all that appealing, and then being in a place where I can't do anything isn't all that appealing. So this last weekend, I was in uh, up at Yellowstone National Park at a, a friend's cabin in the woods. It was absolutely beautiful, and the last day, we could not find a cloud. We tried so hard to find a cloud in the sky just to see if there wasn't one, and there wasn't. And we drove for three hours and never saw a cloud. Is that insane? I mean, you want to talk about a perfectly beautiful blue sky with the autumn colors. And I and I uh, looked over at my friend and I said, you know what? what? Why would we need to do anything but this? Why do we need a concert? Uh, we can just enjoy what God gave us. Because it's amazing and perfect and and it's beautiful. So if you start to contrast things, it can be a plus and a minus. And as I contrasted the beauty of nature and the peacefulness of being in the woods and seeing a bear and a moose in their natural habitat and doing these things that we did, it the concert isn't better. Traveling to somewhere isn't better. It's just different forms of awesome. And we always have the option <laughs> To have awesome in our lives, if we are willing to, you know, look at the contrast in a in a positive way. <laughs> yeah, and let me let me let me give you a question that to 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 see what this com- what is the commonality between those? And were you worried about what kind of person you were? If you were good enough, were you? Did you have something where you were missing something in life and you were focused on it, and so you started to feel down? Did you feel overwhelmed during those times? Notice how all of that is gone. Mm-hmm. The commonality between those different experiences is that you found a way to get those maps of your thinking and those addictions out of your head. You gave, you gave yourself an excuse to be okay that those addictions weren't playing out in your head. And that's, all, and that's what it was. And you don't need anything to do that except yourself. You're actually capable of doing it. Right, because I didn't even yourself. need a beautiful day in nature, right? Yeah, exactly. You don't. And, and the more, the deeper you go into that and the more you question yourself and discover that that is yours, that that is yours at any moment. You could have a customer yelling at you at the store and it could be just like that moment when you're looking up into that clear sky and seeing that there's no clouds. 
And with that, how do you treat that customer then? With that, how does it change the way that you see life and the way that you address people? And how does that affect your ability to love and to give to this world in that moment? Yeah, how does it give you the ability to succeed and get to those things you want? So I'm going to tell you something, Lamont. I'm going to, I'm going to call you to, to task here, take you to task here for just a second. <laughs> so you have figured out in your life, I, I know you well enough now, and I've heard you speak enough, and we've sat down in one-on-ones and group sessions and everything else, that you figured out a lot of stuff that the vast majority of people haven't figured out. I don't think you're any <laughs> smarter than the vast majority of people. You, I don't think you're dumber. <laughs> you're a pretty smart guy, but you just decided one day, I think, to figure it out and start reading and doing the research and, and figuring this out because there was stuff in your life that was bogging you down. Is that, is that an accurate assessment? That's, a, that's an extremely accurate assessment. Okay. <laughs> and you figured out a bunch of stuff, but some of the stuff you say sounds so flipping pie in the sky, man. How am I supposed <laughs> to be happy when somebody's yelling at me? Right? I mean, come on. Yes. But you but you claim it's true. You claim it's true. Now, I'm a pretty happy guy. I'm a pretty I'm a I'm, I think I'm a fairly well-centered guy. I I I enjoy my life. I tell people all the time and it's not it's not baloney. I'm not I'm not making it up. Life is good. I love my life. I am a happy person and I am grateful for all of the things that I have. Yet I struggle all the time with things that I don't feel I am getting right, right? And the, the failures <laughs> that I have. And, uh, and I'm really just giving you a hard time, but, but I think it's important for people to understand if you're listening to Lamont right now, he's not, he's not blowing smoke. This is all stuff he truly believes and has discovered for himself. And I believe that wholeheartedly. And I'm going down the path right now with him and I'm figuring some of this stuff out and, it, and it's really, really powerful stuff. So now I want to ask a question. I know we're on an, an audio-only format here. I cannot see you and you can't see me. By raise of hands, wherever you're at, keep one hand on the wheel if you're driving, okay? But by raise of hands, I want you to, to, to tell me, everybody raise your hand if you think you're a complete failure. Now, some people really feel that way, right, Lamont? There are people oh, yeah. out there, people who come to see you. That feel it's like an, they're it's a an over, It's an overwhelming constant in their lives. Yes. And yeah. and I and, and like I say, th- th- this stuff that I'm that I'm researching is has, a lot of it has come to me because I'm working with people with extreme. I mean, I found an office in a neuro clinic where I have worked with people for a, a few years now, where they come in with these extreme patterns, where they are really really stuck. People who have been suicidal, people have made suicide attempts, people who have, you know, in the middle of a divorce or, or all these different things. And, and I'm telling you, this, this is not a, a, what is typically out there, which is to get to the symptoms. It's to get to the core. We're going deep into the core of the reward system, the, the neurochemicals that are playing out in this system. And you say, how do you, you know, it seems like a pie in the sky. Well, you know what? As soon as you understand the taste and the flavor of that pie in the sky, then nothing else matters and you're there. You can get there and, and you can live there. What if you I'm can a complete make it. failure? <laughs> well, the, the thing you'll realize is that you're not a complete failure. You've been, you've been successful in a hundred thousand different ways in your life. 
but you just haven't introduced that successful pattern into the other patterns of your life that are still playing out from your childhood. Can I, I want to illustrate something. I, I talked to you about it before, and of course, I'll leave uh, names out of it, but one of my closest friends, I know will be okay with me talking about this, nine years addicted to pain pills, opiates, to the point where she was taking 10 at a time, 10 Percocets or Lortabs at a time. Some people can't even survive that. She had built up enough, I guess, of a tolerance to be able to manage that level of addiction and not die. She got to the point of almost dying, and she decided one day that she wasn't going to do it anymore, and she went cold turkey, and she has been clean for a decade, and yet this same person oftentimes, I know, feels like a complete failure, and I'm telling you right now, I don't think I could do what she did. And I consider myself to be a pretty successful guy. But nine years on those pills, giving them up, cold turkey, being clean for a decade, that is a massive success. That's a success that is seemingly out of reach for almost anybody in that same position. Almost nobody can do that or does do that. I think everybody can do it, but almost nobody does do it. And yet, still this overwhelming feeling of I'm a big failure. And that is, I think, a, a really strong way of, of putting across that we all are successful in different ways and at various times in our lives. And it can be little successes like having held down a job for six months or big successes like having a child that's healthy or giving up an addiction or whatever it is. There's so many things, little things and big things. And I want now, Lamont, you're the expert here on this. Let's talk about those successes and why we have them in some areas of our lives and can't seem to grab them in other areas. Yes, that is a really good question. And and I want to I wanna point out something you said there that, that we have what we call little successes and we have what we call big successes. Yeah. But I'm here to tell you they're in the brain. They're all the same. They're all that's, the same. That's fascinating. <laughs> it, it really is. <laughs> Which means that if you have a little success, then you can create big successes. You can create big changes by just introducing you the part of your brain who that is not successful to the part of your brain that's been successful and say, hey, look, there's a pattern here. There's a way to do it. And you're already doing it. You got up this morning, maybe. Or maybe you didn't get up this morning, but you turned on the radio and you're listening to the show or this podcast and you're listening to the show. Those are actual successes. There's a researcher out there from uh, Stanford, and he's one of the, and that's one of the top places in neuroscience researching this stuff. And he talks about this hormone that he's discovered that he calls the success hormone. And when that success hormone plays out, when that success hormone is being experienced, in other words, someone sees something they perceive as success right? That they see it as success, then that hormone participates. And the more that we feel successful, the more we become successful because that, 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 uh, I'm sorry, I called it a hormone and, and I think it is a hormone also, but it's a neurotransmitter. It's a chemical playing out in the body that when it's, a, when it's present, we are, we tend to be more successful. And, and they've done these studies with these rats where they actually, they, they cheat, they cheat, they help these rats cheat that have been, that have, that have failed and failed and failed and failed. They've lost and lost and they call, 
and 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 they've helped them cheat their way through to believe that they were successful. And then all of a sudden they start to become successful. And so it's because they start to recognize that those patterns, those little success patterns actually apply to the big things in their life. And, and, and they're discovering that. And, and then that chemicals, those chemicals come into play and then they just encourage the next level of success and they can, they encourage the next level of success and then the next level of success. And, and you know what? There's a lot of little things you can do, these incredibly effective little tiny things you can do to encourage that possibility. But I'll tell you what discourages it. And that's the addictive pattern to saying, I'm not good. And I, I'm not good enough. I failed. It didn't work. I'm not getting it done. It's not working for me. And it works for other people, but it never works for me. I got too much to do and there's no way to get it all done. Those are all the addictive patterns that work against that chemical. So it's, it comes down to the chemicals in the brain, the neurotransmitters in the brain. I think that's really, really fascinating stuff for a couple of reasons. And, and we're going to run out of time here in a minute. So I've got to try and be concise. But the success chemical that you're talking about, I think in my life, and I, I think it might be safe to say that in most people, uh, this has happened. And, and you, you can probably see it for yourself if, if you think this through with me. When I have little successes, I tend to have a successful day if that makes sense. Like I start off the day and I've gotten up and I've done my push-ups, or gone to the gym or had a healthy breakfast instead of a crappy one or whatever it is. And then the next thing I do, I accomplish something that I needed to do. Maybe it's something that doesn't seem like it matters that much, but it's something that was on my plate that I needed to get off my plate so I could move to the next thing. And then I have a meeting with someone and have a, a, a successful conversation with that person. And oftentimes it just keeps rolling. And then don't we also conversely have really bad days where we get up and we got a frown on our face from the minute we wake up and then we turn on the news and we're sick and tired of hearing about whatever stupid news story is on. And then we miss a phone call that we really needed to take and we don't get to the post office on time and the whole day is shot. Isn't that kind of how it goes? Right? Big, big, little tiny successes all day long. And at the end of the day, you're like, man, that was a pretty good day. Or little tiny failures all day long. Man, that day sucked. This wasn't good. <laughs> Am I yes. wrong? Isn't that kind of how we set up patterns for ourselves? You're right. And it's because we're addicted to it. It's not because it's reality. It's because we're addicted to the pattern of going into this place where we want to downplay what's happened well, because those days that you look back and you saw all these failures, guess what was mixed in between all those failures? A bunch of successes. There was a bunch of little successes, but did you give them attention? No, you took it off because you were looking for something. You were looking for an excuse and a reason to get to get either down on yourself, excitable with, with anxiety, because it's a belief that that's going to get us the things we want. It's this mixed program inside of us that tells us the things that are just lies. You said on the last episode, and I want people to hear it again, a percentage of the decisions that we make every day that take us where we want to be or where we don't want to be. What was that percentage? Yeah. So up to 95% of our decisions are unconscious. And 70% of those don't lead to the things we want. And that's why most of us are just not that happy. That's, that's why amazing. we're not experiencing life at the level we want. 
That's an average, by the way. So if you believe yourself as being maybe below average or above average, I mean, look at the numbers you might be experiencing. You might be making all, not 80% of your decisions every day are not getting you to the things you truly want. So as a collective here in America, we have 330 million people that's on average 70% of what we're doing. The decisions we make every day take us somewhere where we don't want. And just uh, this week, we had a debate between Trump and Biden for president. Does that have anything to do with it? <laughs> right? <laughs> they were a perfect example of that. That's where we're at. 70% of the time, we're taken to the wrong spot, and then we end up with these guys, right? And it, it wasn't better the last election. And guess what? It wasn't better the election before that either. So, I, and, and I make light of it, but I think that that actually might be really true. You know, where where have we gotten ourselves by making these horrible decisions that take us away from our purpose and our plan and where we really want to be? And the problem is 95% of that stuff is subconscious. It's stuck in your brain and you don't even know it. And that's the thing that I love about what you do, Lamont, is you help us get inside our head in a good way and say, wait a minute. I got to reroute some of this traffic because it's taking me down the wrong interstate. I'm going the wrong direction. I'm not going to get where I want to be. And I'm going to be really frustrated when I get to that place that I don't want to be in the first place. No different than if your GPS takes you to the wrong restaurant. It's not good. And we have this internal GPS in our brain that's leading us down this path that we don't want to be on. And what Lamont helps you to do is reroute that traffic so that we're feeling those success chemicals instead of the failure chemicals. We're focusing on the right things and we're getting to the right place. And it's not positive thinking versus negative thinking. It's way, way deeper than that. And it's powerful. And we just had this group session and I want to wrap it up with this really quick, if we can, Lamont. You had somebody, well, you've had multiple people I know come to you afterwards and say, wow, 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 this is changing my life. Can you share a, a quick story? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have an endless amount of stories because when people experience this shift and change, the relief that they get from the, this, this tightness, this resistance that they've been, that they've unknowingly been creating in their life, that they're, that 70% of those decisions being made subconsciously have put them in this stuck place is just phenomenal. And when you get that release, when you get that feeling that you, you can let go, you can let go of feeling like you're responsible for all these things in life and these people and, and all these things. And I had one, one uh, client who just a, a day after the session, she said, I was just in tears because, you know, of some things that were happening with my family. It was a, it was a, a mother that was struggling with what was going on in her life and these different things. And she was, she, she was just to tears. And then all of a sudden she remembered something that was an aha moment in her, in that session that came back to her in that, in that moment. And all of a sudden it was released. It was gone. She realized what kind of person that was making her. It came to a, a, a newer light. It changed the reward system in her brain. And in that moment, she shifted. And then she started to shed tears of relief and release and happiness. And they can measure these tears, by the way. They can measure the chemicals in these tears and they change. They change with our brain chemicals. And this is that, that neuroplasticity. It's that shift and change where our brain takes a way of thinking and changes the maps to that and suddenly sees differently and gets the reward for it. And that reward rushes in 
and they never go back. They never go back. And I think that that is right there is the most powerful part of this. If you have felt stuck for however many years you've felt stuck, I'm 48 years old. If it's 48 years, if it's 60 years, if it's 20 years, it doesn't matter. If you've felt stuck in a pattern or in a place in your life where you don't feel you can get out of it, whether it's a dead-end job or an unhappy marriage or an addiction specifically or multiple addictions or an inability to feel like you're parenting your child the, the, the right way or whatever it is, apply it to you specifically. If you feel stuck and you don't feel like you can, can escape that, imagine making a change that could actually get you to the point where you don't ever feel stuck again, where you can actually be in a happy place all the time, even if the world is seemingly crumbling around you. And it's not this hocus pocus, phony baloney stuff. This is literally working within the neurology of your brain and how your brain works. And instead of making patterns that take you down the wrong path, you create new patterns that take you down the right path. And life, as you know it, ceases to exist in this stuck, addicted place. And you have a new and a fresh and a beautiful life where you can achieve the things that you want to achieve. Lamont, thank you so much for putting this together. Thank you for coming on Vitality Radio. It's always a pleasure to have you, and I'm sure I'll have you on again soon. Thank you, Jared. This is awesome. It's so fun to be a part of it and to find new resources to spread the word. So my goal is to to get this to everybody. So thank you again. Absolutely. Got to close out the show now. We're just a minute or so before we need to uh, call this Another episode of Vitality Radio. It's hard to believe I've been doing this for 13 years. Thank you so much for your listening ears. I appreciate any time that you're willing to spend listening to me talk about health, nutrition, and ultimately the greatest level of vitality that you can have in your life, both physically and mentally and emotionally as well. Thank you so much for listening to me. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it vitality radio is researched and written by jared st Clair, produced by elizabeth joy windham with very limited help from jared our awesome music is by brian bob young Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.